welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Lord, I thank you that you do speak to us in so many different ways. And I want to pray that as Dave um, speaks this morning, that you would speak through him. Thank you that you use us to speak to others, whether it's in a cafe or whether it's here on a Sunday morning. So I want to pray, Lord, that you would speak powerfully and mightily to us today. Amen. Amen. Can you hear me? Nathan, are you... Is that okay? Is that any better? I've got a bit of trouble. My, my ears are not on the right part of my head. Um, so I'm, I probably need some sort of surgery. It's, it sounds like I'm echoing to myself. But I'm sure... I know I'm echoing. I'm sure I will... Is that any better? That sounds a bit better to me. Anyway, good morning. I'm going to uh, talk about one of my favourite subjects, love, sin, and the prophetic church. So, watch out. I, I believe that there are lots of different ways that we communicate with people with the gospel. It's not just an alpha or a treasure hunting or anything like that. But it starts with conversations that we have with people. Conversational evangelism is basic to me. And I want to try and help you. I want to give you some tools. I want to challenge you with ideas of how to communicate with people those uh, particular uh, subjects. Um, First of all, I I wanted to, to say I really enjoyed... Uh, what Colin said last week, I thought he was very good, challenging us to address rejection. And I thought, Jill, your intervention right at the last minute was so key that forgiveness is so important. And I want to pick up that as one of the, the themes of what I'm going to say. So I'm going to start with love. Um, in the Finnish language, which is a very weird language, There are 33 words for the word snow. You can have, like we have, what do we have? We have wet snow, light snow, drifting snow, slush, ice. They have a word for each one of those and then 20 others more. Even a word for the way that tracks are made in the snow and sort of ice that is a word in Finnish. Don't ask me, because if, if you've ever seen the Finnish language, it is, to me, uh, impossible uh, to even attempt to speak it. I think we have a problem in the English language with the word love. Because the word love, can we use it so liberally, don't we? We say, oh, I had a lasagna the other day. I, it was so lovely. I love Leslie's lasagna. I love my car. It's just the best. I love Ferraris. I love the way that I can sit here and enjoy things. It, is, it doesn't communicate the same context of God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
So I want to try and... And people don't see and don't understand when we say, you know, for God so loved the world. They probably think, oh, it's like God's standing up there, you know, looking at a train set. I love train sets, you know. And, yeah, God loves us like, he lo- like we might love a train set or we might love a car. No. We need to be able to communicate something different. It is a free will act that we do. And I want to give you some examples of that. Um, John Batsford is a, is a dear friend of mine. And uh, so he's, he's paying attention now. <laughs> you, you should be worried, don't worry. So... John and I are, are really good friends. And if, if we want to have a bit of celebration, then we will go and play darts, go to the pub. Uh, if we need to discuss something, we've got struggles at work or family, John and I will go and perhaps have more beer. <laughs> or occasionally we're spiritual and we go for a walk and we pray on our, on our walk and talk about struggles that we're having at, at work. John is a friend of mine. You know, I will go and, you know, he will come and help me to build my shed. I will help him demolish his, his bedroom and then leave him in dirt and dust to, to get out of it. You know, we are friends. There's a good, close relationship. And he knows that he can just ring me up and come and borrow something or come and spend time with me. If, however, he found out that Susie was paying me £100 a week to be his friend. I know you would say that's not enough, clearly. <laughs> I'm a very cheap friend. But no, if John found out that, he, that Susie was paying me £100 a week to be his friend, wouldn't that change his relationship with me? It would not be something that is of a free will. It would be something where it just has no substance. There's no proper boundary or morality to that friendship. Let me give you another example of God's love. Um, I travel a lot, as many of you know. At the moment, I'm traveling a huge amount. I'm I'm away about four weeks of five out of five. Uh, I'm away again next week. And, you know, if I came back and I felt a little bit uh, lonely, tired, Leslie wasn't around, nobody to talk to, feeling a little bit insecure, feeling I need someone to tell me that they appreciate me. And I said to, to Kerry, Kerry over there, Kerry, come up here. I need you to tell me how much you admire me. <laughs> and I had a knife at her throat and said, Kerry, I need someone to tell me how much they admire me, how much they love me, how handsome I look. In fact, I'm probably the most handsome person in Derbyshire. And this knife was gently pressed against her throat, I think there would be a declaration of love. (laughs) 
with passion, with tears. She may even fall on her knees at this point. Now, if this was what Marion was looking at to distract her. Now, let's take Marion. Let's say Marion, we know Ian is not here. So Marion goes home, uh, sees Ian this evening. And uh, Ian says to her, oh, what was church like this morning? She said, oh, it's really, really, wish it was really good. And who was speaking? Oh, Dave, what more speaking? Oh, what was he talking about? Oh, he dribbled on about love or something like that. And uh, then she said, but there was one strange thing. Kerry came up the front and said how much she loved Dave, how much she admired him, how handsome she thought he was, and she declared her undying devotion to him. <laughs> now, Ian would probably think, well, that's about right. But, <laughs> but if he did not know that the context of which I had extracted that love and devotion was that there was a knife to Kerry's throat, it would change things tremendously, wouldn't it? Kerry's uh, devotion and passion would not be a free will option. It would be something that I have forced out of her. And I think somebody was talking about uh, the worship. That God wants our worship not to come with a knife to our throat. We don't come to worship God because if we don't worship him, there will be judgment on us. That has passed. We make a choice to praise him. We make a choice to follow him. Not because of a knife or some kind of uh, fear. Yes, thank you, Leslie, my prompt. There's no fear in love. It is our choice to make that. I hope that, un that makes things clearer. Because very often people in the world think that we come to worship because we're fearful of what God will do. And that is completely wrong, of course. But I want you to just use perhaps that picture and with John to explain it is a free will choice that we make to love him and that he loves us by his own free will as well. The, uh, the, I, I've over the last year been trying to communicate the Trinity to you and to others. The Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, don't need our worship. They have their own community within the Godhead. But they like, they love our worship. They want to hear it. It's not that they need it. They have all they need in the Godhead. But we are there to be able to just express our love. And they love to hear our voice. They love to hear our prayers of praise and worship.
One of the things that uh, I think society is, is struggling with is that they're trying to take away the boundaries uh, from us. Um, one, of the, one of the questions I get asked in Explore almost every year when I ask them at the beginning of the, the autumn term, write down questions that you want me to discuss with you, is why is there a tree of life in the garden? So I don't know if you want to put that Genesis scripture up. I just want to make sure that we, what I'm talking about has a biblical base so that you're aware of that. We have to have these moral boundaries. And God put the tree of life in the garden for Adam and Eve so that they could make a choice to follow him. In the end, as we all know, they chose to do the opposite and chose to eat from the tree of life to choose to uh, eat of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, you can take that, that down. So I want to talk about sin now. Um, no one doubts that there is gravity, or at least I hope you don't. Anyone here think that uh, you can float off? Gra- God has given us gravity so that we know what, what happens. It's, it's a given. We, don't, we just take it for, uh, for granted. What, if we take that into a moral context, we have the Ten Commandments. And what I'm going to talk about now is, is sin. God has not only created physical laws like, like gravity, but he's also given us moral laws like Ten Commandments Beatitudes, things like that and at the moment what it seems to me is that society is trying to dismantle those laws that God has put in and God has put those laws in for our own good but when we when we sin we think we're something, somebody else. Could you just put the picture up? That is me <laughs> in my sinful days. I was about 18, and I, I can tell you, can, you know, thinking he hasn't changed a, a, any, any item at all. He looks exactly the same as he did when he was 18. When we sin, we we think that we are like Superman. It's like we think we can go against God's laws. It's like we put on a Superman outfit, pull up the red pants over the, the trousers, go up to Ryber Castle and think, right, I don't need gravity. I can defy gravity and jump off. Now, what would happen if I did that, dressed in my Superman outfit? I might be arrested. (laughs) What would I do to my bones? I would break them. 
I will be broken. When we break God's laws, we become broken, don't we? And to be quite honest, I I was thinking about this this morning, lying in bed, uh, about this picture. People in society think that they are superman or supermen uh, or superwoman breaking God's laws. The sky is full of supermen and superwomen falling to the ground. And sometimes they fall down and they fall on us. And they hurt us too. That is what sin does. It breaks them and it also breaks other people. Um, I was again. I was thinking of this this morning. The 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 laws of the Bible about relationships and and sexuality. Even uh, it's like being. It's like society has created another country where there are different laws. And if you don't have laws or rules in your country, what do you get? If you can do anything, you get anarchy. And I just felt this morning, you know, the sexuality in this country is like another country, but there are no laws. They're saying freedom is what you want. You can do what you want. I was talking to, or we have a discussion with our our children, and uh, when they're discussing uh, who's going out with with whom, um, they will talk about uh, so-and-so, they're, he's exclusive, she's not exclusive yet to that relationship. Leslie and I are like, what? This doesn't make sense. But society is, has said, well, let's take away all the, the God's laws, we want freedom, but now people want to put back in some boundaries so that they know that their relationships have meaning. You know, like my relationship with John, it doesn't function if there's money exchanged or guilt exchanged for that. It's got to be free to choose. So what do we do as a, as a church? Do we just shake our heads or wag our fingers at society? I, I think we need to speak into those situations. We need to um, correct people. But because we are a prophetic church, what we need to do is interpret the times that we live in. So we can see what is going on. Um, what I've found and felt over the last few weeks as I'm preparing this is that what God is calling us to do is not come with judgment to people. And I, I don't see a particularly judgmental church here. 
we need to come with an assessment of where society is. They are still thinking they are supermen and superwomen, being able to defy God's laws. But God's laws, it's like... I don't know if you've seen that, that car advert where I, I couldn't find it when I wanted it, but there's a car that sort of drives along and then they stop, the driver gets out and then he, take, he lifts up the, the, the scenery and he moves it and there's a different backdrop completely behind him. Does anyone, has anyone seen that? I'm the only one who watches TV, clearly. <laughs> you know the one I mean. God's laws are like a mountain there. Society is trying to shield that, that mountain, trying to say, it's just, there's nothing there. But you can't change God's moral laws, just as you can't change God's laws of gravity. They are there. When people try to, to break away from God's laws, it's, they're still there. They're still there. And we have to be prepared as a church to understand that people will be coming to us broken because they've fallen, because they didn't want to accept God's laws. Guilt is, in some ways, a, uh, a very, very powerful thing. Uh, I don't know if you've been following the, the issue with uh, Boots and their after, um, morning after pill. They actually dropped in a very small uh, drop of guilt. They said, we don't want to sell this after, uh, morning after pill any cheaper because it might change people's attitudes to their sex life. And there's been a, well, I don't know who, who makes these huge hue and cries, but they have had to back down. Because what they have done is dropped in a tiny little bit of guilt into society, and society hates that wound of guilt. But God's law is there. It will not change. They will still feel that guilt they will still feel the pain and brokenness of breaking God's rules. So how do we address that? I think as a prophetic church, we do many things. We do jigsaw, we do clothes bank, we do cap. And all these things are fantastic. And I, I'm not criticizing any of these things. But as a someone who is... Uh, got evangelism in their core I believe that what we should be doing is having these things there but with the mindset that we preach the repentance of sin and forgiveness I'm sure that is Jackie's core of what you do is you want to see people come to Christ we must have that sense of being able sometimes we have to earn it but being able to uh, bring an explanation of what it means to repent and the forgiveness of sin. Because when people have guilt, the best 
medicine for dealing with that guilt and healing that is repentance and forgiveness. And I haven't got time to go into repentance and forgiveness, but it's something that we must do. The whole being of why do we do what we do? Why do we do CAP? It's because people have been broken because they have done things wrong or people have done things wrong to them. They've got themselves into debt. We don't go with judgment. We go with solutions and we say there needs to be repentance and forgiveness can come from that. Does that make sense to everyone? I think we need to have a greater emphasis on forgiveness in the future. Uh, Can I have the Acts 3 scripture? And I think this picks up what a number of the words were in the in the worship this morning. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. I want the presence of God. And we have the presence of God here because we do preach forgiveness of sin through things like... um, Freedom in Christ, Alpha. But what I want to do is put that as a higher focus in, our, in, our, in the forefront of our minds. That forgiveness of sin is what we want to achieve by CAP, by Jigsaw, by Alpha, by our conversations with our friends. We want to see people come through to that relationship with Christ. Now, is that going to be easy? No, it isn't. Uh, two examples of the, in the Bible. Um, if you look at uh, Jonah, Jonah was, um, he was the most reluctant evangelist I think there's ever been. God said, go there. He went the opposite way. And God, you know, the story ended up putting, you know, going into a f- swallow by a fish then being regurgitated, and he still got out, oh, God, I've still got to go and do this. And because God had said to him, go to Nineveh and preach repentance. So he he gets dragged off to Nineveh, and he says, you know, you must all repent of your sins. And they all do. There's the most enormous, wonderful revival that breaks out. In Nineveh, they all turn to God. And what does Jonah do? He goes and complains to God. I knew you were such a kind, merciful God. That's why I didn't want to go there. It's a miserable place. Then you've got the opposite. So he sees, he's someone who was disobedient, but saw great revival. Then you've got two others. You've got Isaiah and you've got Jeremiah who were obedient to God and who said to the people, repent of your sins. And they never did. In the end, they got sent out to, um, to Babylon. They got kicked out of their, their land. They were obedient, but they didn't see revival. Now, I, I'm not saying 
you know, that we are standing on one edge or, or the other. But we need to be obedient to what God is saying. I think that was, again, part of the, the prophetic words this morning. Let's be obedient to preach the word of God, to preach about forgiveness of sin and repentance. And we will see, we will see the refreshing, times of refreshing and the presence of God coming. People are looking for a meaning in their lives. Uh, <clears throat> they, as I've said to, be, to you before, uh, there are two basic questions people want to, the answers to. First one is, is there a God? And the second one is, can he be trusted? Now, the first one, we need to... Uh, First of all, explain that there is a God. There is a wonderful world around us that can, you can say, look at this. This is a, a hand of God behind this. But the other one is, can he be trusted? I think that comes, how do they see that? I see that coming from the reflection of our lives, our obedience to him, our love for him, and our love for other people as well. These are very, I've just narrowed down the, world, the two questions very narrowly. But they are basically the questions that everybody is asking. And we need to be aware of that. <clears throat> um, just one prophetic thing in a, in a different way. I, I just felt earlier on that young people, uh, God wants you to continue to find your own relationship with, with Jesus, not just through your parents. He wants you to know that relationship for yourself and not just by proxy through your parents. Um, just talking about what God has, has done. And super, can we have Superman up again? I'm not... Elevating myself too much, I hope. But as, as we, as all the people around think they are Superman and Superwoman, they become broken. And what, what did Jesus say in his last supper? He said, here is my body. He took the bread he said, here is my body, broken for you. So when we take communion, let's also remember very clearly, it's not just about the cross, but it's also about people who are broken outside, who are sinning. Jesus took that so that they can start to be healed and brought back to life. Could you just put that, that scripture up, please? So this is, so again, I want to just ground this in scripture. He took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. So do you want to just stand, stand up?
Father, we just, we come to you, Lord, this morning. And we want to know your forgiveness, Lord. We want to feel your healing words, your presence come. As we come to you, if necessary, with repentance, Lord. Your body was broken for us. We don't have to, uh, we don't want to be supermen and superwomen anymore, throwing ourselves off towers, breaking ourselves, or seeing other people. Lord, we want to be able to preach repentance of sin and forgiveness, Lord, in a clear and effective way, Lord. And I pray, Lord, even now, where we need forgiveness, to heal wounds, Lord. Will you come and touch us, Lord? Touch our hearts, Lord. Where you may be, if you think you are standing on the edge, uh, thinking that you can go against God's moral laws, then please think again. In the end, the, the, the thrill of, of what it might be, in, in the end, ends up with you being broken. Step back from that. Follow God's way. Follow his laws. We will make mistakes on the way, but he is a forgiving God, one who loves us, who, didn't, who doesn't threaten us, but is there to have a relationship with us. So Lord, I just pray, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your presence, Lord. May this ground be fertile ground for your presence and a joy in knowing you, Lord. Father, I just pray, come. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If the band could... Oh, Dave... Of course, yeah. I just want to connect the beginning to the end because Doreen talked about a lion that roared. And uh, I've just felt, um, before you got out actually, God wants to give us a voice. You know, you can be silenced, you can be prowling up and down in the cage, but we, we need, need to know what it is to have a way. I felt it was particularly for men. There's a sort of an identity crisis also, almost for being a guy. Well, what you're for and where do you fit? I just believe God wants to break the silence. Because he says when the spirit comes upon us, when we're in a hot spot, the power of the spirit will make us his witnesses. We will have a voice. And I'd like to just pray for that voice to be restored to some pray particularly for men and young men. But obviously, I know it's not exclusive, but it's just what I felt. So Father, we thank you for this message. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in your name to all nations. Hallelujah. And uh, Lord, we want to have our voice back. Yes. And sometimes we feel like 
the pressure of uh, supermen and superwomen <laughs> doing their thing almost silences us. As that uh, survey showed this, 97% or something of Christians feel like they're marginalized. Lord, and it can silence us. And I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon us, that we may be your witnesses in this place and that place and to the ends of the earth. And so we just ask you, we, we repent, Lord, of our silence and being intimidated, allowing fear to rule in our heart. We repent of that, Lord. We lift our eyes to the Lion of Judah, the one who roars with that amazing roar and wants to give us a voice, wants to equip us, empower us, to be his people in the midst of brokenness, Lord. Um, there's brokenness everywhere. Just just so much brokenness, Lord. So we really need you, Jesus. We need hot spots, not for our edification, but that we connect with God. We honor and exalt and enjoy his presence. And he comes and he gives us of himself. And we can speak. And I pray for opportunities to speak and the power of the Spirit. Amen.